Thanks for that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Bash us, him. <laughs> All right, everybody. Eric Dim, your most complaint cop, NYPD. And this is your 265 Police Live Series brought to you by the Finest Unfiltered. Along with me is John McCary, retired lieutenant, founder and a co-host of the podcast. And of course, the great Sal Greco, who's been a great friend of the podcast, who's been at the forefront fighting hypocrisy. Sal, how you doing, my brother? Well, uh, thanks for asking, Eric. And I'd like to say Merry Christmas to everybody and a happy and healthy New Year to uh, all the haters also out there. And I just want to say this to you both. Uh, I think you've done a phenomenal job. You've done so well that you have received hatred from inside the police department harassing you, which was ridiculous because in our heyday, remember, we weren't even allowed on social media. So I don't know what these guys are thinking. They're committing federal crimes of, uh, uh, to boot. So uh, my hat's off to you. You're doing a great job. And uh, I want to see continued success not only for you both and for the podcast. Sal, thanks, brother. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I think something we got to hone in on, something we just put out on social media last night. We all collaborated on the post and got it out there. It's actually only 38 seconds long, the video, but it's been viewed for days and days and days. That's how many times that video has been viewed. And it's clearly asking everybody where the absentee police commissioner ed caban is because clearly since the moment he's been sworn in he's been anything but the acting police commissioner we've been hearing rumors that he's going to step down uh as a couple of people put it he, they were still waiting for him to step up so it's not really going to be a big deal for anybody i don't think and a lot of people actually said he's the, going to be the most forgettable figure in nypd history as far as the new york city police commissioner and as we stand now i i actually disagree with that statement because i think that he's going to stand out as a notable part of the history in the nypd when we went back to a least trans in in the height of transparency we go back to a least transparent organization and one that associates with known criminals which is what do you think about that eric absolutely you know it, it kind of reflects on what you just said, Sal, uh, 100%. I remember getting on the job January 2004. At that time, I couldn't even carry a cell phone. At that time, everyone started to have cell phones. I remember I had this little flip phone, but you couldn't even carry it on the job. I mean, it was it was, it was frowned upon. And at the time, I remember a couple of years after that, Sal, you and I were talking about this offline. Before Facebook even came out, we had MySpace. And I remember there was a cop on, from Staten Island that was on MySpace. And I forgot what the interaction was, but it led to this particular cop's termination. And I think back to what's going on right now, the, the level of impunity that these cops have had in the manner that they use social media, along with this, this administration that is just completely uh, lacking transparency. Just, it's unbelievable when we watch these press conferences. John, I know you're about to play it, but it's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. I mean. We've actually put out memes about this actual video, but I don't even think this meme had to be put out there because, honestly, if I didn't tell you, we're not even sure which one is the meme because that's how ridiculous this press conference was, just completely lacking transparency. You don't even have to be a cop to watch this video and say, well, that looks like a lie. And that's what's sad right now is we're watching this administration just lie right, lie right 
to, right through their teeth to the public. And everyone sees it. You don't have to be a cop. John, I think it's time to show it. All right, Sal, after the video, just give us your thoughts on it. All right, here we go. Here's a video of New York City Mayor Eric Adams last night, yesterday in the evening, uh, in the in the afternoon, talking about the preparations for New Year's Eve, which, by the way, New York City Police Department's very nervous about. They're going to have everybody on standby. Um, and we, they are getting threats, with whether they admit it to you or not. So they're very nervous. You can see it right in their face. But here's the video. Uh, he uh, was in uh, Dominican Republic. Uh, he'll be here tomorrow, uh, and he was doing uh, several agreements down there, but he will be back tomorrow. But, you know, I say this over and over again. If the police department can only function when the police commissioner is here, we're in trouble. This is a well-oiled machine. One person does not run the show in this city. And this city and the police department functions. Everyone knows their roles. Everyone knows their responsibility. Right now, we have the first deputy commissioner that's in charge, and we have an amazing apparatus in place. This this is a professional department. You don't need one person uh, to make sure that things are run smoothly. And we look forward to having Commissioner Caban uh, back uh, tomorrow. Anything else? <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, a couple of things before I'd say what they should have asked. Number one, uh, he states uh, the first deputy commissioner is in charge. Actually, no, Eric, the chief of department is in charge because it's always the highest ranking uniform person on the scene, which is uh, unfortunately Jeffrey Madrew, who I believe is retiring. Uh, he's there. He's in charge. You don't need if Caban's not there, he would be in charge. First deputy commissioner is an administrative position. They really have no say. So if you're on a radio, as you know, if you hear anyone on radio says deputy commissioner, whoever's the highest ranking uniform member of the service is in charge on that radio. That's first of all. <laughs> Second of all, the agreements he's talking about, what is that? Is that a foreign nation that the police department is doing business with? I That, that is bizarre, even stating that. And the <laughs> other thing I'm saying is uh, – Anybody check Consofrito? Because we all know Eddie Caban's brother owns it. I mean, I'm sure he's been there, not putting the pictures out there for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, has he been there? Is he is he over there hanging out? And uh, John and Eric, the media, the big media, we'll call it, mainstream media, they've messed up and they've dropped the ball here because they should have actually asked, uh, Mr. Mayor, Ed Caban has been the missing in action police commissioner. He's out of town, Eddie Caban, all the time. but uh, your police officers, your police commissioner, all these high-ranking people in the NYPD are constantly pictured with Jimmy Rodriguez, who is a known mom associate, who is the co-owner, apparently, of Concefrito, who is also the liquor license belongs to Eddie Caban's brother, a former police lieutenant. <laughs> what the hell are all these people doing in a place that has all kinds of allegations and should, you know as a formality, be on an unlawful location list. And Eric, you yourself have been pictured there. What is going on there? And Letitia James. That's what I would ask if I was in the media, John and Eric. No, I mean, when I look at that that press conference right there, first of all, I see complete sheer incompetence. I see a bunch of guys standing up there 
that are not dedicated themselves to public safety or that event. They look totally uncomfortable. They're afraid of questions. And you have the New York City, the uh, police department's deputy commissioner of public information, literally waving off a question from the media. And he shows his anger. So what's going to happen to that reporter? Is he going to be allowed back at press conferences? Do the media feel comfortable to actually ask questions? Does the NYPD believe in the First Amendment and transparency? I don't believe they do. I believe at this point, this is the least transparent administration we've ever had, not only in New York City mayor's office, but in the New York City Police Department. And the response to that question was later clarified in the Daily News. If you read the article, I think Chris Sommerfeld wrote the article. Um, it says that they, they reached out to find out what are those several agreements. And the police department pulled back on it after not uh, after not uh, uh, describing what those agreements were. And they actually said, oh, no, he's just on he's just on vacation. So that's a problem right there. If, if it wasn't a big deal that that the police commissioner is mm -hmm. on vacation, because I do believe that everyone's entitled to vacation. I don't believe during the height of enforcement times, because, you know, like like us. We would be working New Year's, Fourth of July, any of these high, heavy time enforcement commands. We would be there, especially if we were the police commissioner. If we were the lowest rank all the way up to the highest, we would be working during that time. But especially the police commissioner should be there. And if it wasn't a big deal, why did New York City mayor have to lie about it? Why? And you see the look of sheer terror in all their faces. And that that raises my eyebrows significantly. Are they prepared to handle what New Year's Eve this year? Well, absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. And that's why this looks like a Saturday Night Live skit. Why? Because Mayor Adams, despite whether we agree with him or not, he's got swagger and he's always ready to speak. He double talks out of his mouth. He's very good at linguistics and he's very good at getting a message out there, whether you agree with it or not. And I don't most of the time. But this time we could see the, the stuttering, the backpedaling, the looking around. I mean, just sheer line. There's a thousand ways to tell a lie and only one way to tell the truth. And I can tell you this. I remember being on the job and I took this one day interrogation course. And I remember what I learned from detectives, some great detectives who did some amazing homicide courses. And they always said that when the most simplistic questions are asked, if there's a question that's overly answered, it's a diversion. It's a diversion from the truth. And that's what happened here. It was the most simplest question. And he just over-talked it and over-explained it, which was, was completely indicative that it was a lie. So everyone, for the most part, I just want to say, just back up a little bit. For the most part, most of our viewers, they know Sal Greco. They know John and myself. But anyone that's that's watching this right now that's new to uh, the NYPD and what's going on with Sal Greco, just want to inform the public here. Sal Greco was wrongfully terminated by the police department. He was attacked for his associate, his association and friendship with Roger Stone. And what South Greco has done is exposed hypocrisy. So Ed Caban, who's the, the police commissioner to the police department, has been missing in action. And most of the time, his whereabouts are at Consofritos, which is a restaurant in the Bronx, which is associated with a criminal with criminality. And the nature of it uh, has been exposed. High level of political figures have been hanging around at Consofritos. And yet, no one in the police department has been disciplined. There has been no one terminated. And the only one that was terminated was Sal Greco. So Sal Greco has brought this hypocrisy at the front. That's why it's so important that we highlight. And we just keep seeing lie after lie 
and the exposure by this administration right now. It's embarrassing. It just completely lacks transparency. Sal, you, you want to explain some more on this? Yeah, so I mean, obviously I was terminated because I'm friends with Roger Stone, which is even crazy saying that when, uh, you know, we all know that there's at least three administrations that are pictured with Jimmy Rodriguez. That would be uh, Dermot Shea, Keyshawn Sewell, and Eddie Caban. And uh, Eddie Caban is, uh, might be a lifelong friend of this guy because apparently, I mean, there's tons of social media pictures and videos of him hanging out with this guy. And uh, as you know, he, you know, Jimmy Rodriguez is a guy who's has a, as a, you know, a shady history at, at best between the original restaurant he owned, Jimmy, Jimmy's Cafe in the Bronx, that had shootings, unsolved murders, drug deals, whatever was going on there. It continued in every other place he's had up until this point at Concerto. And and listen, with that kind of a history, he can't even have a liquor license, which is why the brother of Eddie Caban has the liquor license there. I don't know if people actually can, you know, wrap their brain around what could possibly be going on there. I don't want to speculate, but coming from a law enforcement background, just the perception of this is, you know, it really needs a second look, a really good second look. It may not be even from the police department. It might be from another entity higher up because what is Letitia James, who's the attorney general of New York, what is she doing hanging around Jimmy Rodriguez and Concerfrito? Because there's all kinds of allegations there. The Bronx district attorney, Darcel Clark, she goes there. She's pictured there. She's pictured there when Letitia James is there. Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. He loves being a, I think he left his swagger shoes on a dance floor and hasn't picked them up since the FBI, uh, uh, felt him up when they when they pulled him over in, in New York. Uh, Carl Hasty, he's the assembly leader. He's pictured there. He's had like three birthday fundraisers in, in four weeks there. I've only heard of one birthday for one person, right? So this, this is what's going on there. And with this guy's checkered past, this place should automatically have been unlawful, been an unlawful location. But with all these associations going on, and Letitia James, who's on a get Donald Trump campaign, that's how she got elected. There needs to be some kind of scrutiny and investigation, clearly. Not on her, on 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 why does Caban, what's his association with this, with this guy? And you know, and, and it's the police department. I mean, it's all high-ranking people, Eric. High-ranking people are constantly pictured at this place. And it would remind you of uh, a scene of Gotham City where you have that bar in Gotham City where all the felons and the and the lawyers and the prosecutors and all the cops hang out in this place. And they, they mention in the show where the guy goes, I could just shoot somebody right here, right in front of everyone, and nobody would care. I mean, that's the perception of what you're seeing there. And we wonder if perception is reality. As we've come to know with Eric Adams, he had a video or some kind of skit, what you'd call a Saturday Night Live skit, he did on a, on a movie with two Turkish guys that were trying to buy him off. And then that's exactly what he's being investigated for in real life. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's disturbing to me that the New York Yankees, the Mets, and other pro sports teams barred their players from going to, to restaurants owned by this individual. We've had 
you know, we've had things out in the media where people have talking about that there were cocaine buffets going on at this place with specifically with this individual. We have a clip from a, a, a former mob associated. I think it's sit down news is, is the name yeah. of his podcast. Yeah. And he's he's going to talk a little bit about. Jimmy Rodriguez wanting to collect money on the street so for anyone that's not familiar with that that's called loan sharking it's part of racketeering um it's completely illegal so this guy makes these allegations so right now we're saying that these are allegations and we know historically in the new york city police department allegations will limit police officers ability while they're at work to go to a place that that's that they believe is engaged in illegal activities at the New York City, or they just don't like the the optics, basically, of cops associating at this location. And that would be known as an off-limit location. And that would apply only to the members of that specific command. Let's say that this restaurant was in the 4 or 5 precinct in the Bronx. They would say, all right, none of you are allowed to uh, uh, associate at this location, be uh, buy things, um, be uh, patrons of the, of this establishment whatsoever. So now I think 1000% this should be an off-limits uh, off location to the members of that command, but it should also be an unlawful location. And an unlawful location, you could find this in the New York City Patrol Guide. It's under 318.28 in the integrity monitoring file. An unlawful location is a premise, whether in a member's command or elsewhere, that are involved in illegal activities, which would preclude the presence of a member of service, except for in the line of duty. And basically it just goes into, it's almost the same exact thing. It doesn't want the appearance that there could be wrongdoing with the New York City Police Department. So we just don't want our members there. The Yankees were smart enough to do that. The New York City Police Department obviously is not smart enough to do that because again, Sal Greco lost his 14 year career for criminal association, for associating with Roger Stone who's not a criminal. So he was fired for something he didn't even do. He didn't even commit. But yet now we have the police commissioner. We have numerous commanding officers. There's parties constantly at this place from the New York City Police Department. It is criminal association in in, in every definition of the word. Uh, Eric, I just want to play the video from this guy. And then uh, if, if you could give us your thoughts on it. So let, let, let's hear this video. This is from Sit Down Talk News. Supposedly, the owner of the restaurant, Don Coquille, needed a favor. Don Coquille was located in the City Island section of the Bronx. According to what Anthony was told, the guy lent out $2 million and was unsuccessful in reclaiming his money. Allegedly, the restaurant owner was willing to give up 10% of the money if we could collect it. Anthony said we would split $100,000 each, so naturally I agreed to get involved. To be honest, at this time, the strip club incident wasn't even on my mind. We set a date for a few days later, and we would go take a ride to the Bronx and talk to the owner of the restaurant. When I left Anthony that day, I wanted to go do my homework on the owner of this restaurant. I went and spoke to a few people. One person in particular was Big John. I found out that the owner's name was Jimmy Rodriguez, and he owned several restaurants, including Jimmy's Bronx Cafe, Jimmy's Uptown, and Jimmy's Downtown. Big John had told me not long before we spoke, he had taken a girl out to lunch, I think in the Uptown restaurant. He said when he arrived at the restaurant, it wasn't open for lunch yet, but the owner happened to be there and let them sit down and order anyway. John said they made small talk with him and he was a nice guy. But I also found out that Jimmy Rodriguez had borrowed money in the past. When it comes to a sit down, 
whether it's one face in opposition or a friendly one, you should know who you're talking to, as well as any information available about them. After finding out everything I could, I wasn't happy with this information because a person who borrows money is rarely lending out two million. I'm not saying it's impossible, but highly unlikely. So for me, it was a red flag. I found out later that he checked the assessment of the property, not the appraisal. The assess for tax purposes is different from what appraised property. Mm -hmm. And it was it was assessed for a million dollars or a million five. So he pulled out of the deal. I said, well, but I don't have the money. I'll pay you when eventually I get into this deal. And, you know, I remember like going to 100 black men and asking them for help. And they said, we can help you, but we can't help the whole village. We'll help you because we know who you are. And that's how we'll do it. And you always look up to these guys. And that was the beginning of Jimmy's. And then I did Jimmy's downtown, Jimmy's uptown, Jimmy City Island. This is clear and present evidence of mafia ties. What do we know about the police department? We were all cops. We were all, John, you and I were supervised on this job. What do we all know? At least the era that we were in, in the police department. It wasn't that long ago that, John, you and I both retired and saw that you were wrongfully terminated. But in just a short amount of time, have we seen the tides turn? When we were in the police department, I was always told, don't embarrass the patch. That was so important, right? That was the terminology. What that meant was your representation of the police department. You don't do anything to embarrass the police department. It makes sense, right? We have we have a policy in the police department not to associate with criminals. Obviously, that makes sense as a police officer, and, and, and hence to avoid corruption and public safety. Sal Greco was wrongfully terminated for having association, friendship with Roger Stone. Roger Stone is not a criminal, actually. Roger Stone was pardoned by Donald Trump. But because of Sal Greco's, his affiliation to Donald Trump and to Roger Stone, that's why he was wrongfully terminated. This was a politically motivated witch hunt. And what we see here, what's going on right now, is just a complete embarrassment. And we talk about unlawful location, which John just mentioned before. And ultimately, what it comes down to is just the, just the appearance of impropriety is enough for the police department to disengage from a restaurant, to disengage from a business, because the police department doesn't want the appearance of possibly being involved in anything illegal, at least when we were on the job. What we're seeing right now is just a complete embarrassment. Anyone within the police department or city AC or any, anyone in politics should not have any association with this particular restaurant. It's complete appearance for impropriety. I mean, we've heard it right here. It's, it's so unfortunate, Sal, that you were wrongfully terminated. And, and, and the hypocrisy that we're witnessing right now, it's just it's completely despicable. It's disgusting that we have to watch this. We watch this day in and day out. Sal, I have to commend you. You've done a phenomenal job of putting this out where this has been exposed on the local level. And it's in my opinion, we've seen it. It's now exposed on the national level. There's been reports about this. I think you should go in to talk about the reports that are going on that have been written about this particular place. The mafia ties, the support that you've gotten from Curtis Lewa, and absolutely the support that you get for this podcast about the hypocrisy that's going on with this complete mob ties what's going on in this place. And, and exactly, you and Kyle Serafin use that analogy of, of, of the Batman scenario. And again, what you said is correct. We cannot speculate of what actually goes on at this place. But that's what's not important, of what's actually happened there. But the actual association has to stop and end now. Completely, we see criminal ties, and no one should be associated with this place at all, especially the police commissioner, and the mayor. But what do we see right now? Under Mayor Eric Adams, we just see 
a lack of transparency, and we see the appearance of impropriety. And we just saw it in, in that press conference where we can't even give a simplistic answer of to where the police commissioner is at the height of a pro-Palestinian riot on, on uh, every day, every night. We've seen this since October 7th, where the police commissioner should be here at the forefront. Yes, we all have families, but right now this is a pinnacle time. We have a mass exodus shorthanded. We're about to hit New Year's Eve. The police commissioner should be here. The most simplistic answer, and the mayor can't answer it. The entire day looks completely uncomfortable. There are so many lies that have to be peeled back here, and just the curtain has to be pulled back. So I want to thank you. I, I just want to know, what are your thoughts on being wrongfully terminated and watching Someone talk about the exposure of mob ties, and you see day in and day out, and the reports that have been written about this, and yet they just keep doubling down, and they keep flaunting this, and it almost looks like they're rubbing it in your face. Yeah, I think social media is the uh, it's basically the nail in the coffin for the job and for people in general. Without social media, I wouldn't even have a, a stronger, strong case like I do now, because all this evidence is publicly out there, and it's put out by the likes of a Jimmy Rodriguez and others, especially those in the police department themselves. So, you know, the article was written, it's on joehoff.com, it's written by Joe Hoff, who is co-owner of the Gateway Pundit, another great publication. And uh, Joe Hoff uh, took a deep dive into this. It's a three-part thing so far, and uh, three three articles. And uh, it, it, it focuses on the relationship of Jimmy Rodriguez with Letitia James, uh, why is Letitia James pictured there as a chief law enforcement officer in the state of New York? That is alarming because we don't know why she would be hanging around a person like this that has mob ties, including Darcel Clark, uh, Eddie Caban, Eric Adams, Carl Hasty, the NYPD, and everybody else that hangs around there. It also mentioned how Jimmy uh, he has other problems he's had in the past. There was uh, 14 people that were picked up out of uh, Jimmy's Cafe for a drug deal. They were in a gang. Uh, they, as I said, there was this unresolved uh, murder that happened there that's still out in the open there in the Bronx and from, from Jimmy's Cafe. Uh, there's also the allegations from the uh, mob associate that proved that he's attached to the Genovese crime family, I believe it is, because the guy he mentioned, Jimmy Petroselli, who was supposed to go to a meeting with that gentleman and somebody else, and he had called him down, and he was going to pay him 10% of the $2 million he owed him. But this guy later on in that interview was saying how that was a rub out. He was going to whack him. That's what it was going, was going to happen there. So Jimmy is intricately involved in criminality. And I know that people, you know, he might want to put out a persona online per se that he's such a great guy. But by all definitions, I've had numerous people come out of woodwork, and we don't know, I mean, if they're telling the truth or not, but they don't have nice things to say about him. And from his shady background, this is somebody who's a clear cutout of why the police department would have that rule in place. You cannot wrongfully and only associate with someone who's reasonably believed to have engaged in or likely to have engaged in criminal activity. I've wanted to say in, you know, in, uh, in uh, commission of a crime or in furtherance of a crime, but that rule is written for you to not be associated with a Jimmy Rodriguez type, not Roger Stone. The NYPD and people like Sergeant Orenstein and his corrupt Fugazi subpoenas, writing narcotics, all these crazy things he's done, because he'll do anything to get his man, as we know, as he purged himself in a previous trial. 
But guys like him, that rule is written to stop criminal associations with people like this. Someone who's involved in drugs, someone who's been involved in uh, mafia activity, um, uh, you know, gangster stuff. This is not who the police department is supposed to be hanging around. Roger Stone is a political figure. You guys in the NYPD, especially Ms. Lawrence, try to pass off Roger Stone for Jimmy Rodriguez. But now you got caught because the reality is the truth always comes out to light. Roger Stone, who you in the media, mainstream media, made a, a, you know an assortment of allegations against. And you can say what you want about Roger Stone, but there's one thing you could say criminally. Roger Stone did nothing wrong. We were never at the Capitol. We had nothing to do with any events that happened at the Capitol. And all the police department was saying for so long was, you know, do you have to be guilty of this because you just happen to be in D.C. in a hotel room? Okay, that that's the that was the allegation. Okay, that I was uh, going to overthrow the government or some crazy thing with no evidence, and and I went home. That I mean, it was crazy to even make those allegations. Meanwhile, while this is going on, during, before, and after my termination, the entire upper management of the NYPD, including each police commissioner that's been there during this time, have all associated with Jimmy Rodriguez and have been pictured or in or in and around Concerfrito, or Concerfrito will come to them. So I don't know how this works. This is going to be a fascinating trial I'm going to have coming up against the NYPD and the, and the city of New York, if they want to make this proceed forward, because this is going to be at the forefront. How are you saying that I can't associate with Roger Stone, where you have found no criminality, between myself or Roger or anything that we have done since I was his friend when I was a police department versus your relationships with Jimmy Rodriguez, who has an assortment of criminals that go to his place. Somehow he's re he's got a friendship with the police commissioner that's currently there. And his place just so happens to have, I don't know how many events from the NYPD there constantly. He's trying to play himself off like a like a community guy, I guess. But we'll just skip the fact that he's a mob associate, right? And this is what the rule was designed to stop. And, you know, I just have to say, uh, we'll wait and see what happens in my suit coming up in 2024. And uh, I'm really disgusted by the uh, New York City Police Department in their conduct with this. And uh, this isn't just a lack of transparency, uh, transparency but it's also... Uh, a lack of accountability, and accountability is key here. No, I think I think you nailed that. I'm going to ask the audience that question: like, who do you think that uh, who do you think shouldn't associate police officers shouldn't associate themselves with a political figure like Roger Stone, who has uh, controversial stances, which I don't even believe because I agree with mostly everything the man says. I don't believe that they're controversial. It's just not the mainstream for New York now. New York's a progressive controlled city. Roger Stone leans more conservative. So his conservative thoughts are dangerous for a police officer to hang around. And the fact that he's a political figure out there on the political stage, is that dangerous or is it dangerous for a police officer to interact with someone who's engaged in murder, drugs, uh, prostitution, all types of illegal street crime activity. And I think we all know the answer to that question. It's that that rule specifically, like Sal said, was designed to keep corruption out of the NYPD as it relates to gambling, 
prostitution, loan sharking, street crime. That's what it is. Because let's face it, you know, we, uh, you know, uh, our generation of cops, and I've said it before, we were the best generation of cops there ever was. And, you know, prior to us, and now what we're seeing after us, because let's face it, the New York City Police Department for all of its existence has been a systemically corrupt organization. Like, let, let's not lie here. We could go back in the whole history of it. I mean, New York City government was systemically corrupt for the majority of it. For the last 30 years, we've had a police department that has not been corrupt, but we're moving back towards a more corrupt version of the NYPD. And, and it's things like this that are showing. I mean, the, the mere allegations alone that he's loan sharking, that he's setting up these mobsters to be to be hit to to be killed um the fact that the yankees don't want their players associating with this gentleman the fact that we have people making allegations that there's drugs being used at these locations prostitution is being as being done at these locations the mere allegations alone makes this place unlawful for any member of the new york city police department to associate with him or partake at that thing. And we're seeing numerous parties happen by the New York City Police Department here. And that is, my friends, what they call corruption. In the past, an unlawful location, when it was deemed by the NYPD, but the NYPD conveniently is just not deeming this location unlawful. If a police officer was found to have been there or been in there, it's a must suspend. For those of you going to study for sergeant or those of you that have studied to, and moved up the ranks of the NYPD, it's a must-suspend location. The police department never wanted this. And this happened after. And these are things that happened after the Marlin Commission. These are things that were designed to weed out corruption. Rudy Giuliani, I was listening to him recently. He made a statement. And his statement was, the default position of New York City is corruption. Corruption has to be actively weeded out. And if it's not actively weeded out, it will fall to corruption. So right now what we're seeing is it's not been actively weeded out and it is falling back to its default position. If it's not full blown worse than it's ever been, which it remains to be seen, but we're going to see it soon. Sal, first of all, I just want to say everything you said was fantastic, was on point. And I think that you explained it very well and really gives some great insight to what's going on with your case. It really exposed the boxing. John, I just want to key in on the last thing that you just said. I, I agree with you absolutely. Is that we have to constantly actively engage and combat this potential corruption. Because as you said, the default position is corruption. And we were the best generation. I don't care who says it. Who's watching this? You're absolutely right. John, you and I talk about this all the time. You could, during our time in the police department south, you're from the same era. You could drop a $10 bill walking out of your locker room in any priest in New York City. You could drop a $10 bill on the floor, and you could come back in three weeks, and that $10 bill is still going to be there. Yeah. Now, is that, right? Yeah. Now, that's not the same comparison to what's going on. But the point is, and I'm a firm believer that the era that we worked in, we worked under the broken windows theory. And that's how we addressed public safety. But the broken windows theory was also amongst us as an organization in the police department. We policed each other. And the police department itself, you know, I had this impression myself. I said, I remember talking to John and Sal, you and I were talking offline. I said, wow, 
I guess I was naive to believe that the NYPD could not be overall corrupt in its appearance because we worked under this broken windows type theory where every situation was addressed. These minute, these menial interactions were potentially you may be getting a free cup of coffee or the uh, the appearance that you may be getting uh, discounted dinners or some some type of appearance that you're getting a benefit for wearing that uniform on a small level. And now what we see right now is just completely disgusting how the tides have turned. I watched this press conference. It's how you and I spoke about it. I said, wow, were we, were we really a part of this organization the way it stands right now? And, and, and the answer is not when we were working. And, and just, just to show in the short amount of time under Mayor Eric Adams, the dire straits that the police department is in, and that's why, Sal, I want, I want to ask you this. Obviously, we know Ed Cabin is in a position of power as the police commissioner. He has a strong tie to Consafritos. His brother is, is the SLA holder to Consafritos, right? He's uh, a major part of the Hispanic society. They engage in, uh, in fraternal meetings at Consafritos, uh, to my knowledge, from what I've heard. Why, other than that, why do you think that Ed Caban, Mayor Eric Adams, Letitia James, Darcel Clark, why do you believe these high-profile political figures are engaging in, engaging in get-togethers and gatherings at Consafritos? Other than what we may speculate of what's happened there, why do you think that that's become the place uh, of, of, of stardom for these high-ranking officials? If you can answer that. I, I would speculate at least, or I mean, it's a speculation, but it's would make sense that there's some kind of discounted or free meals going on there. There's a lot of freebies. It could be handouts because remember, these allegations are of there's drug use, underage drinking as well. There's uh, allegations of fundraising slash straw donor schemes. So kind of what you heard that Eric had at zero bond where some person with a credit card swiped this card twice. So he had two donations there. The political called it, called this person. The person that's on the credit card was a woman. She said, I've never donated to Eric Adams. I don't even know who he is. And it was the father who then picked up the phone. They called him because he's the one that contributed not only for himself, but his daughter. That is a straw donor because the daughter never agreed to this, but he donated for them. So this is the kind of stuff that would be going on at this place. Now, I'm not saying it has or it hasn't. These are just allegations that I'm hearing amongst many other things that may be occurring there. Okay. So, and with a history of what you've heard of this guy, that already would be uh, ringing alarm bells, especially in the New York City Police Department. But when the police commissioner's brother has the SLA license, how can you do any enforcement there? And, you know, Eric, this week, you heard that the uh, police department now is is going with this new unit or a new initiative called Cure. So now the police department, you're going to make allegations against the place, let's say, Concerfrito, saying they do this, they do that. So now the precinct CEO, who already parties there, as you know, or the you know, certain uh, commanding officers, will go to a Concerfrito and have a conversation with them saying, look, we have allegations here. It used to be they would just show up and have enforcement. They would check liquor bo uh, bottles to see, turn it upside down, see if there's any fruit flies. 
You look on the wall, see their uh, their dates, you know, fire fire inspection, all this kind of inspection stuff. Which remember, Eric Adams is on the investigation. His his campaign and his for for doing this the uh, the uh, fire the fire inspection stuff. So this is now going to fall under the police department showing up there and saying, "So let me ask you, what you know this there's allegations of this and that, and then what he could slip him a sandwich, you know, one of those." Uh, Sandwiches, you know, it looks like a, a, a you know, tinfoil inside and there's money in there. I mean, these are the things that happened 20 or 30 years ago. And Eric is just wants to bring back that era of corruption. So every 20, 30 years, the police department always has a scandal. You know, NAP Commission, that all being the last one, right? It's 10 years overdue for a new scandal. And I think you're hearing it right here. These, this place, and places like this are ripe for corruption. So when your local police officer now, who well, I guess he's allowed to speak to him, a criminal association doesn't matter. So because he's going to have to come and ask him about whatever the allegations are that people are making allegations against, instead of showing up there to do enforcement to see if what he's going to say, he's going to correct it. He's not going to correct it. They're going to slip him money or they're going to give him a sandwich. I mean, even Curtis Sliwa, and Anthony Weiner, of all people, agree that this is a horrible idea, and it's not in the best interest of Eric Adams at this moment, who is under fire from the, the FBI for exactly these kind of things, is now going to be doing that. And it's just another thing in the world of Eric Adams, whose whole world is always under a black cloud, that he's going to allow. And the police department, this association in general, not because it's me, but just to let people know this. Three separate administrations have been associating with this guy. He's entrenched in the police department. And you already have heard the video and seen that he's associating with, the, you know, a, a mob family. Remember years ago, there were the mob cops. So are we now having new mob cops with Eddie Caban and company, him and his his underlings that love to go and hang out there. And I'm talking to me, there's more than just the society. There's that blue wall, whatever they call those guys. Those guys are all pictured there, too. So, I mean, it's just a, a litany of people. And Contra Frito, you know, say what you want about Gambino crime family. Remember, John Gotti would hang out at the Ravenite Club. Contra Frito is the Ravenite Club of these characters. And by the way, Jimmy Rodriguez and Contra Frito is a top 50, as in is it stated in a city and state of publication. It's one of the top 50 political hangouts for Democrats. He's a Democrat. So if you want to make a political he is a Democrat. That's okay. Roger Stone's a Republican who's never had anything, no allegations of all this crazy stuff that goes on there. He's a bad guy. He's a Republican. Why? It's all about Trump. So these are going to be the arguments that are made in a courtroom if it gets to that point. Because I don't know if anybody wants to hear Eddie Caban on the, on, on the witness stand or Jimmy Rodriguez or Eric Adams and hear what they have to say about this. Because this is just fascinating. And people need to really let home in. I know... People, you know, they have a lot of opinions on Roger Stone. You may or may not like him. You may think he's crazy. But I tell you one thing, he's not. He's not the criminal that they're trying to pass off because, trust me, it's Jimmy and his record, who, by the way, he's a self-admitted criminal. He is the guy that you, as a police officer, should not be hanging around. That's what that rule was designed to be. And I don't want to sound like I'm ranting here, but it's just when is someone in the media like, I don't know, Fox or – New York Daily News or New York Post or New York One 
Somebody other than Curtis Sleever on WABC going to call this out and actually put a microphone in Eric Adams' face and say, hey, Eric, what is your police department doing associating with Jimmy Rodriguez and Consafrito? And by the way, your picture there. Why are you all there? I mean, do you understand that litany of allegations here? And there's no innocent, by the way, if they're going to say, I didn't know Jimmy's record. I didn't know this. Oh, by the way, the police commissioner cannot say that. Because as you know, you guys know when I know in the NYPD, there are units for the police the police commissioner that would check on these things. Kind of like, we'll say, the president of the United States. president of the United States does not just show up to a location. It's scouted. So people would scout this. If they don't scout this, then that proves that the NYPD would be wrong in stating that, oh, well, we didn't scout this because then that goes against protocols, right? You're saying the police commissioner will blindly walk into a place that you're saying this guy has this kind of a record and there's all these kind of allegations there and there's a federal. I mean, these guys are all in federal problems, all these mob guys that, that, that he's involved. How do you not know this? You can't just say innocently, I don't know, because I wasn't allowed to say I didn't know Roger's record. I couldn't say, well, Roger Stone is my friend. I didn't know that he he lied to Congress. They said, no, you got to check him. And by the way, this guy Ornstein said that I was involved in narcotics and then said I wasn't involved in narcotics, So, which I wasn't. So that's how the police department rolls, just so people get a good look into this. Because we all say back to blue, but, you know, I'm saying trust but verify. I mean, Sal, honestly, you know, I I hear what you're saying about the media, but I'm going to say right now they're afraid. And I believe they have very reasonable reason to be afraid. Like there are reasons for the reporters to be afraid to ask these questions. Look, they can't even ask a basic question. You can't even ask like, hey, where is the police commissioner? You see the retaliation. You think there's not going to be retaliation against that reporter for asking that simple question? The obvious question that everybody in New York City watching that press conference, where's the police commissioner? Where is this guy ever? Where is it when any questions arise in the New York City Police Department? He's nowhere. He's at every promotion ceremony. He's at every party. He's at every heritage celebration. But he's nowhere when it comes to doing actual work. So they're afraid. The media is afraid to ask those questions. You think they want to hone in on corruption? Now they're really scared. Now you're talking about mobsters. You're talking about criminals. You're talking about high-ranking officials being involved with these people. They're afraid. That's why they're not asking these questions. And this is the this is exactly what this administration is putting out. Like, you don't ask us the questions. We're going to tell you what questions you're going to ask. That's what I'm getting from all of this. You know, I was... I was almost on my deathbed during COVID. I had uh, I had pneumonia. I was like, felt like I was breathing through a straw. And I was afraid to go get the medicine that I needed to keep myself alive because the medical division wasn't picking up the phone. I was afraid of, oh, I'll get caught out of my house. And But at the end of the day, and I'm like sitting there in my car nervous. I can't even breathe. I'm almost, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to pull out of this to get medicine because the medical division wanted to pick up the phone. So I'm going to go get medicine to and from my house, right to the pharmacy, right back to my house. And I'm afraid of that. But you have cops now and high ranking officials that are fully well aware of these allegations. They've read these reports. They've seen you on news media. They've seen all of these other people speaking about it. They listen to Curtis Sliwa. 
and they're going there and taking photos and sharing it on social media. We have fallen very far in the New York City Police Department. And the other thing I want to talk about, and I think I think it's also an important part of this, is that let's say there are no allegations against that place, which is not the truth because there are thousands of allegations about this place and a million reasons on why cops shouldn't be associated with that place. But let's say for let's just play pretend and say there are no allegations at that place. But the police commissioner's brother owns that place. He owns the liquor license. Do you think that that's a place that the police commissioner and the mayor should be going to doing events at sitting on stage? The police department should be going there. Isn't that a huge conflict of interest? Just that alone. But now that we have those allegations, I'm just going to ask you, Eric. Would you, as a member of the New York City Police Department, frequent or even go one time to a place that you're aware of has such allegations? Absolutely not. This goes back to what we said when you and I got on this job, January 2004. I know you came on uh, later, uh, six months after me. At that time, and going going towards the end of my retirement, it was the broken windows theory. It was the broken windows theory for, for, for our police department where menial things were addressed. We didn't want any appearance of impropriety. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If there was the, the, the most menial allegation for a restaurant for someone's place of business, I wouldn't step foot. I wouldn't want to be seen there. I wouldn't want my picture being taken. I wouldn't want my, my, my license plate to be near that place. Absolutely not. I wouldn't want to have any affiliation. Just anyone browsing or anyone in having any intrusion to ask, you know what, Eric Dim, why are you at this place? What are you doing there? You, do, you, do you know there's a there's a potential allegation of what's going on there? Internal affairs is looking into it. But I tell you, what this really does expose, and that's why I have such an affinity for your case, Sal Greco, which, you know, I, I really admire your strength and how you've been fighting and exposing the hypocrisy. But the reason why I also have such an affinity for this case is just shows that the police department has really changed. We've heard terminology that's it's the same same patch, but it's a different job. And when we were, when we were on the police department, these things were important. We policed each other. We wanted an impervious police department. We we didn't want any corruption. We didn't want any appearance of any impropriety. It was so important that 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 patch, you know, it it, it meant more to us. It meant a brotherhood. It meant public safety. It meant that we were noble men. And we've completely lost that. And now it doesn't appear that it's a law enforcement agency. It, 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 it appears it's a political movement. And it, it's an extension of the Democratic Party in New York City. And it's used in the manner that, that Mayor Eric Adams sees fit. And we see it now. It's just it's completely despicable, right? We see on, again, I said, on a nightly basis, we see these pro-Palestinian riots, which are really, you know, a.k.a. BLM, whichever is the flavor for that night, anything George Soros funded, post-George Floyd. I, you know, I say it all the time. I think the Democratic Party is seeking out their next George Floyd. And we don't hear Mayor Eric Adams take a hard stance and say, we're going to arrest these rioters. And he actually said that, right, he was in agreement with the settlement. And what John and I have exposed with the settlement when it comes to protest about these red light offenses, green light offenses, that you need specific authorization. And we're so soft-handed with these riots that are impeding on the lives of New Yorkers. We're about to head, head into 2024 in the cities upside down. But what does Mayor Eric Adams get tough on? Right now, he has a migrant crisis, and that's the part that's affecting him. It's affecting his his 
his career. It's not about public safety. It's not about people in New York City. He said that he's going to take a hard stance and arrest the bus drivers that transport these migrants. So again, right, it goes down to this is a political movement. It's not a law enforcement agency. It's used exactly in the manner that he wants. And that's why, John, I agree with you. Absolutely. That's such a great statement that 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 you're saying these reporters, the media, they're in fear right now. They're in fear because the questions that were asked to Mayor, Mayor Bill de Blasio, his predecessor, were far more harsh than Mayor Eric Adams has faced. And that's why I said to you guys earlier, right, if Mayor Bill de Blasio had given the same response that his police commissioner was in Dominican Republic making agreements, the next question would be, what, what are those agreements? And I think the media on the, in this particular case was extremely light-handed, and they didn't go any further. John, you said it because of fear. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think they're in fear. Of, uh, I don't know if they're afraid of Letitia James. I don't know if it's uh, Eric Adams or the police commissioner. But if I was a reporter and I lived in New York City, I would want all the corruption rooted out or as much as possible because it shouldn't be corruption. The police department should be impartial. We shouldn't be having this all these people hanging out in this place. God knows what's going on there, but we already know what's going on there because you could, you know, you've seen the, the proof there. And, you know, go back to the reporter thing. John, is there a video you have about a certain press conference that happened uh, yesterday with a certain deputy mayor of public safety that uh, he was, what, uh, you know, talking down to certain reporters there? Absolutely, yeah. We have a video of a uh, deputy mayor of public safety, Philip Banks, He's also known as an unindicted co-conspirator in a, in a federal case that uh, happened under Bill de Blasio, and which turned into a corruption investigation uh, in the NYPD. So you see him literally, again, basic questions. This is at a hearing with the Taxi Limousine Commission. Uh, they're just normal day-to-day -day questions, you know, just Reporters are asking questions, First Amendment right, right? Right to the free press, right to the free speech. And you're going to see a member of the Dream Team, a.k.a. the Supreme Team. You're going to see how he reacts to these reporters. And again, that's your, and that's to my point. These reporters are afraid. They're being given a script. You'll ask us this and you'll stay on that. And that's it. So here we go. Here we, let's, watch a, let's watch a member of the Supreme Team. Let's see how he reacts to reporters. Listen, hey, these guys want to be, listen, listen, these guys want they, they, no, 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 they, they got, they have no discipline, so let them continue, right, to be able to do this, this is the same charade that they do, but we don't want to waste time because they have to get back to work, they're working for the taxpayers, so you're not asking any questions to the commissioner, yes, no, 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 just for the audience, listen there, you have work to do. So this is where the clown hour starts. So I don't want to keep you three here because you have work to do for the public, for the public here. We have a reporter that asked the question, right? And I don't know what the intent of the question was, but at least she has some data. And if she decides she wants to report it, she has it. And maybe the objective is to keep you safe. Some reporters, not all, we go into the clown hour. They don't write any articles about safety information. They get into the clown hour. So you certainly don't need to stick around for this. Continue. I'm boiled. Let me, you, let me tell you something. He's a public official, and he has some nerve talking like that to reporters. He's got a lot of nerve. He's a very arrogant guy. You know, I remember him. He was the deputy chief under Joseph Fox of Brooklyn South, okay? He was a deputy chief when I, when I first met him. I was a rookie. Seemed like a nice guy. 
I didn't know at this time that he was one of these guys that was uh, teaching the key. I believe that was, you know, the to teach the cops how to uh, take the test for sergeant, lieutenant, and captain. And he was one of the instructors along with Shay, Dermot Shay. So uh, he was the guy that came up with the whole, you have to have your uniform pressed and shined and all. If you wear the, uh, the pants, not the unif not the uh, the slacks, but the other pants. He wanted. He was writing command disciplines for that. He was all about appearance and these things you kind of hear about still in the NYPD now, where your body camera is. It's all Philip Banks, who, by the way, one of the most corrupt guys that ever was in the New York City Police Department. He, I don't know how he's not in prison today, but of course, when you sit like a canary, that's what that's what you know. That's how that ends up. You stay free, and also. This administration, you have this guy as your deputy mayor. This second guy who was mentioned in a different press conference, Timothy Pearson, a former NYPD inspector who retired in a cloud of dust under investigation, which, by the way, he does not have a, the right to a firearm. No media guy wants to report on that. There was one little snippet a long time ago. He is the deputy to the deputy mayor of public safety. Uh, remember very recently, Timothy Pearson uh, assaulted a woman, choked her out, a security guard and beat up another security guard. And it was a level three or level one, I believe where the police came and they locked up the two victims that he barged himself into a shelter and nothing happened to Timothy Pearson. He got hurt allegedly. Now Timothy Pearson is under investigation from the DOI, but mayor swagger man himself the other day at the press conference stated, well, he's one of my nights of my round table. He's, he's still working out there. How does that guy stay employed? How is this guy employed? And these are questions that New York should ask themselves. I'm sure they're kicking themselves in the rear end voting. They voted for this guy and not Curtis Sliwa. And it's funny, Eric Adams says, oh, he mentioned something about buffoons. And he's mentioning Curtis Sliwa because he says, if you look up buffoon in a dictionary, uh, con man, if you look that up, if you actually look up buffoon, you might see one of these three people I just mentioned just recently saying it's either Eric Pearson. Or Banks. Take your pick. Eric, what do you think about that? It's funny, it's funny that you say that, right? Because I was thinking to myself, could you imagine? I was going to say this before you said the name. Could you imagine that Curtis Lewa was in that position and he gave the same response that this is clown hour and that we don't know what the intentions of these questions are? You don't have to know what the intentions are. It's your job to be transparent and to follow these questions and answer them appropriately to give the public the information that they want and what they need so that they don't have just the perception of what's going on with public safety so that they actually have the reality. And that's why and that's why John and I, with this podcast, have been so critical of the weak appointed management of the NYPD because they're watching this. And they, they're talking at home exactly what we're saying right now. They're saying this at home with their families. John, you've said it before. I've said it. We talk about this all the time. They're saying this with their families right now. But at work, they're putting their heads down because it's about self-preservation self and they're self-serving, weak, appointed management, and they only care about themselves. And we know it, right? They allowed the, the illegal vaccine mandate. They allowed Eric Dim to retire because of an overzealous CCRB. They allowed Sal Greco to be attacked and wrongfully terminated for his association with Roger Stone. And yet they're watching this stand, they're watching this happen right now and they're just watching this go by. And that's why I said this before, when we talked about this, we decided that we're going to do this podcast and again, expose the further hypocrisy 
that Sal Greco has faced in, in, in the end of his career and now in his fight for justice. We talked about this, right? And that's why this podcast and Sal, you in, in your fight for justice, why we have been such a threat to the police department. Because the police department does not have any leverage on John McCarry, on Eric Dim, or Sal Greco. They, they don't have any dirt on us. We never took any favors. We weren't doing the, our job, and we didn't have our careers in the police department, and we weren't self-serving trying to get things just to benefit our own careers. We were actually out there for the better good of the people. We were, out, we was, we were raising families. We were out there with the betterment of public safety, but it wasn't about ourselves. And that's why we're such a threat with this podcast about telling the truth because they don't have leverage on us and they don't, we don't owe anyone favors. So Joe Fox, who's been retired, he's now, uh, he's now a designee on the CCRB board. He's, he's uh, blocked me on Twitter. I've been nothing but professional, gave him an opportunity to come on this podcast and talk about how he has an opportunity to, he's in a position right now where he could fight for cops. But he doesn't say a word. And everyone says he's a nice guy. But is he a good guy? Probably not. He probably owes some people favors. And all these people that stand around Mayor Eric Adams and watch him lie through their teeth, they don't say a word. Because Tariq Shepard, he owes them favors because they bumped him up seven ranks. Kaz, he can't say a word. He he was bumped up seven ranks. John Shell, he can't say a word because he shot someone as an accidental discharge. He shouldn't even be in the position that he's in. Jeffrey Madry. That guy has had more charges than anyone. Hey, he's had more discipline than anyone. He's abused his authority more, more times than anyone. He shouldn't be there. So everyone's just watching this parade. And you know what? If you ask me whether they've actually taken part in any corruption, silence is corrupted itself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, turning a blind eye to corruption is corruption in itself. I mean, it's you turn a blind eye, and that's exactly what's going on with everyone. And that's why we met all of all three of us have met with such angst and hate, and you know, and all of these constant threats that we're receiving. It's 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 laughable to me. And you see this guy as the deputy commissioner of public safety saying that these commissioners are working for the public, so they don't have time because they're working they're working for the taxpayer. Well, guess what, Deputy Kim, uh, whatever the hell your title is, I'll just call you unindicted co-conspirator. Guess what, unindicted co-conspirator of the of the Supreme Team, uh, aka slash uh, the Dream Team. You work for the public, so the public has full right to a free press to ask you questions wherever they may lead. Whatever their intentions are, are absolutely none of your business. And what you're acting like is a mafia thug, and that again further proves my point. These reporters are afraid. And again, if anyone's watched that Supreme Team um, documentary, I, I don't remember what, what it was. It might have been on Showtime. I don't remember what it was on. But there's a yeah. Supreme Team documentary. Take note to who's speaking in there, to who's idolizing these murderers and drug dealers. Guess who you're going to see there? New York City Mayor Eric Adams, front and center, talking about how great how great they were and how he was a member of, I don't even remember what, what the lower form of before they became the Supreme team, what the name of that gang is. And they're acting the same way that they acted like complete thugs. You're not allowed to ask us questions. How dare you? We're working for the taxpayer. So we're going to get back to work and you're going to listen to what we tell you. And that's going to be the end of it. This is the least transparent administration, not only in New York City, but in the NYPD. And at the same time, they're the least transparent 
They're making for the everyday cop who's out there just going to work, doing their job. They're making their entire lives the most transparent it's ever been. You're on body camera. I, I, I started to say at one, at one point, do they need to, does the public need to know where my children go to school? Will that improve public safety? Is that the New York next New York City Council bill that's going to come out? They have to list where my, my children go to school for, and that'll improve public safety as well. And that's what's going on. These guys are acting with impunity while certain members of the New York City Party Department are are completely un can do whatever they want and say and do whatever they want and they act with complete impunity they don't have to follow that guide but the, the men and women that go out on that street every day and do an impossible job are being held to an impossible standard in my opinion they should all be fired we should start over again this needs to be looked at heavily this is corruption like I've never seen it and I never thought I would see it, but it, unfortunately it is. And it's in a very short time, New York city, Eric Adams, New York city mayor, Eric Adams being the, the mayor of this city. And I think Sal Greco said it, and I'm going to agree with him making him the mayor, every person he appointed in any capacity whatsoever, you could take it and put it on all of them. It's like putting a silk hat on a pig. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to say this because we were just talking about you're talking about the, the Supreme team. Actually, go online and look because Corey Pegues was an inspector that somehow was in the gang, didn't get locked up because he wasn't there today. They raided uh, the gang. And then uh, in another documentary, Timothy Pearson's on there talking very highly of the Supreme team and Corey, another Eric Adams, the three guys that keep the three wise men there. Look at who they're idolizing. That's that's what you need to know about these guys. But you go back to a little bit, you know, I've seen a little bit this online harassment of these people. You know, you know, I just I, I, you know this. I haven't said this publicly, but Rich Caban, Eddie Caban's brother, actually tried to, like, stalk my Instagram stories. He was watching him. I blocked this guy. I mean, I don't play these little games. I don't know. You know, I don't know where these guys come from, but he was stalking my page. And we all know how they're stalking you and uh, what they've said about you, and I don't know exactly what dream team or whatever these guys call themselves, whatever nickname it is, but let me explain something to you for these idiot cops that are doing this and are on the job. You laugh <laughs> at John and Eric, and John and Eric are the ones that are actually trying to reform things for you that are still on the job because we've already been through that. You guys are going through it, okay? You, got, you don't understand what Eric is doing. So he's talking about Joe Fox, who I remember him. He was a nice guy. I heard some stories about him behind the scenes. I, I'm not going to you know, go into it, but there's some things that he was doing to cops and he wasn't the greatest boss per se. OK, so but Joe Fox, as a, now he's been retired a few years and you guys want to laugh that Joe, that John and Eric are obsessed with the job. Joe Fox the other day went to pin some shield on some cop. He's at every ceremony. I mean, guy, are you retired or are you still a chief? Because you're at every NYPD function. Every ceremony, you're putting badges on people. Joe, maybe it's time to, you know, fade into the, the limelight. I mean, if I'm one of those cops that keeps coming after you two, that's one of the first glaring things I see. But they won't do that because they want to go after you because they're being told to do that from certain people. And hopefully that'll come out in a future court case. And I, that's as much as I'm going to say. Look, I don't have any angst or anything against Joe Fox. It's your freedom to go to these things. I'm just saying the cops that keep trying to say bad things about John and Eric, that they're obsessed with the job and this and this and all these other things. Actually, 
Joe Fox might have an obsession with the job because he's still doing things as he was a, uh, still a chief, but he retired many, many, many years ago. So you guys don't criticize that, but come after Eric and John. Why? Because they're criticizing your boss because you like doing those car pursuits that, you know, with uh, with an 8 million people population in New York City running around chasing people for, I don't know, the guy didn't pull over for me. And then having a major car wreck and maybe fatalities is not a good thing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, maybe I'm just ranting here, but uh, I, I see that as a problem. And for those cops that keep doing that and you think stalking, just trust me, uh, doing things online is actually a federal crime as Kyle Serafini, former FBI agent stated. So be, be very careful what you do. It's one thing to be criticizing people. It's another thing if you, you know, you want to say what you want. As long as you're not like, uh, you know, at, you know, saying uh, you want to do something crazy or criminal. But to do harassment online is actually a federal crime. Be very careful who and what you're doing, because everyone is watching. That's all I'm going to say. I'm glad you said this. It really highlights. I've been saying this for years in the police department. There's a difference between being a nice guy and being a good guy. And it really made me understand the nomenclature of the mindset of the majority of the police officers. Not everyone. There are some outliers. John, Sal, myself, and many others that have that mindset to understand that it's better to be with someone that's a good guy. Maybe then maybe they're not so talkative to you. They're not as emotionally invested, but they're they're a good guy. Someone that you can actually rely on. They're accountable. They're responsible for their actions in comparison to someone who's a nice guy. And that's where these cops fall into this trap, where they're extremely feeble-minded, especially the ones that attacked John and I specifically with this podcast. They've mistaken niceness for goodness. Kaz Daughtry puts their arm around them. John Shell puts their arm around them, gives them all the amenities. Don't worry, kid. I give you the, the nice uniform. You wear the tan pants. You get the unmarked car. You get the days off you want. You'll be off Christmas. These are nice gestures, yes, but is it coming from a good place? And that's my argument with Joe Fox. Joe Fox, you have an opportunity. You're in a position right now of power where you can actually combat what's going on with the cops and do some real good, not just be nice. And that's what I've always heard over the years. Joe Fox continues to be a nice guy. I see the pictures. He takes pictures with cops. He hugs them. He talks about how great they are. But what is he doing to show that he's good and he actually cares? Where, what are the actions? He's on the CCRB board. John and I have been attacked by this administration because Kaz Daughtry sees what Kaz Daughtry looks up to Eric Adams. That's his mentor, and he wants to be just like him. That's why he's using the weight of the police department to attack us, to try to suppress our First Amendment and try to shut down this podcast. And it's not going to happen. You can intimidate the media, but you're not going to intimidate us. And what I can tell you with that is these cops, again, like I said, they mistake niceness for goodness. Joe has an opportunity to be good. We're good. John and I attend these CCRB meetings where we testify and we, we raise questions to the CCRB to challenge, to show that CCRB is biased towards the police officers, that the police officers not get a fair chance. That's inhibiting their job. It's inhibiting public safety. We testify on a monthly basis. Joe Fox sits there quietly, never says a word. And that's why I say, what do you owe? Do you owe someone a favor? Or is, it, is it just self-serving for your own career? 
You have a pension. You have plenty of money at this point in your life. Here's an opportunity to speak out and actually help the cops, but he's not doing it. John and I have taken attacks from the union, other organizations, terrorist organizations. We have taken attacks and we're still here and we're fighting for good. We're fighting for what's right. And that's what the cops don't understand. They mistake nice for good. And you should, you should want good. I've, I've worked with plenty of cops. And John, you could probably agree with this. The same thing, Sal. When you get a new commanding officer in the precinct and you would get someone that was not smiling, maybe not talkative, and right away the cops would say, ah, he's not a good guy. Or say, well, maybe he's not a nice guy, but maybe he's a good guy. You know, don't fall for that trick when that commanding officer walks to the precinct and he's smiling and puts his arm around your kid. Hey, he's, he's joking with you. But behind closed doors, he's stabbing you right in the back. Which person would you rather surround yourself with? I'd rather surround myself with the person I could trust. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. well said, Eric. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's the main reason that we're attacked is, you know, we're talking about actual integrity. You know, there's so many organizations, there's so many people that pin themselves to the good work that the men and the women of the New York City Police Department do every day, right? But they do it when it's convenient, when it's politically convenient, when people die, unfortunately, when people are murdered, unfortunately, they jump on the bandwagon of dead cops um, and they talk about honor and they talk about integrity. And then you get a guy like Sal Greco that gets fired for absolutely no reason. And what do they do? The entire department turns their back on Sal Greco. You get a guy like Daniel Panaleo who gets fired for no good reason, for doing his job, for doing exactly what he was trained to do, uh, following his training to a T, same way as we all did in a situation that we've all been in, uh, done the same way we've all done. And he was unlucky enough to get caught up. And what does everybody do? They turn their backs on him. When there's all of this insane policy coming down, you know, me and Eric are the only ones really talking about it. We're the only ones really honing in on the issue. But people come at us. And you don't see guys like Joe Fox talking about any of this stuff. It's all, oh, yeah. And, and a couple other uh, social media influencers. How, yeah, just ignore everything and be happy and live your life. And, you know, you should do this. And this is health and wellness and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for it. But how dare you? try to make like we're bad or we're spreading a bad message by actually talking about the things that are going on. And, you know, I think it's complete cowardice for him to block you. If you harassing him, I could a hundred percent understand that, but you weren't harassing him, you know? And another thing that we've been getting a blame for is I believe starting in November, the chief of department's office, chief patrol, NYPD news, they've been putting on this, these posts and they block their comments. And everyone keeps coming at us and saying, hey, you know, they blocked. They had to they had to stop the comments because of you guys. And I'm like, I've never commented on anything that the NYPD's put out. The only comments I've ever put out there and there were questions and they were to Wendy Garcia when she started talking about religious exemptions, when she started talking about the NYPD. And I just asked her basic questions and she never answered. them. I said, hey, if that's true, how come I was never given a meeting? with a counselor? How was I denied and given seven days? How did you accept other people's religious exemptions, but deny mine? I just asked basic questions. So, I mean, if these questions are scary, obviously you're seeing what's going on. This is a bully mentality. And you know what? I'm going to give a little credit to CCRB here because me and Eric both have asked 
very hard questions to the CCRB. And I don't believe that they were answered properly, but they answered them. And they didn't attack us and they let us speak at those meetings. And they're not saying, how dare you ask me that question? They're not. They don't like the question. They might fumble a little on the question. I'm not really too happy with their answers, but they're not they're not backing down from me and Eric going there. So I'm going to give them actually more credit than I'm going to give Phil Banks. I'm going to give Eric Adams. I'm going to give Caban. Then I'm going to give their weak deputy commissioner of public information. Absolute embarrassment. He's been there this whole rank from cop all the way up to deputy commissioner. He should be full well, no uh, public relations and shouldn't be cutting people off when they're asking questions and doing all this insane stuff. So, uh, you yeah, know, I, I just want to step in. When you mentioned yeah. Wendy Garcia, you should have asked her, has she been to Concertfritos? I'll answer that for you because I have a picture there. The answer is yes. Just to show you, just another high ranking. See, if you were hanging out there, I bet your religious exemption would be okay, right? Oh, See, be fine. I would have been fine. 1,000%. <laughs> all I had to do, do was be a registered Democrat and I would have been fine. It would have been fine. <laughs> I would have been fine, you know. Um, so listen, I you know, 2024 is coming. You know, why don't we go around? Let's give a few predictions, you know. Let, let's see what we got, you know. Who wants to start? You want me to start off or uh, Eric? Oh, God, start off, yeah. All right. So uh, I think uh, my situation either gets resolved by the end of the year or in the middle of the year because I think that's what the trial, all, all the dates are at. So hopefully by the end of this year, uh, we would begin the trial price if that's as far as they want to go. Uh, so that that's one thing to look forward to. Uh, I think there's going to be a big turnover in the management on the upper echelon of the NYPD because either A, these guys are going to start stepping down because you're going to hear about things, some things that might have been mentioned here on this show and some things that we don't know about and certain people want to either step down and get away from this or maybe they're involved in stuff. Uh I'm a big Ranger fan. I'm, I, live in, I live in Florida. I think the Rangers are going to the cup, and we're finally going to have a second cup in, what, 80 years. That would be a big thing for me because I was there in 90. I remember 1994. So it's been, what, this is, tw- what, that's 30 years later, 20 years. Wow, time flies. But I think the Ra- I, I would think we're finally going to get a second cup in 80 years. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh I'm big. I don't know if these guys, people follow me online. I'm big with the high lie. I'm trying to get Eric and John down here one night to Miami. High lie is a sport that was big in Spain. Now it's uh, they're trying to you know bring it back in Miami because it was big in Miami. I think it's going to continue that that way. I think it's going to get bigger and bigger as a sport. And high is fun because look, you look over my shoulder, I see Lawrence Taylor there. I see Orlando uh, Hernandez, El Duque, who may have gone to concert free. I forgot to ask them that. Uh, El Duque was there. Uh, I look over and see Dan Lebetard there. You see some of the Miami Heat players show up. Uh, Roger Stone has showed up. So it's like this is a place on a Friday night. It's a place to go in Miami. So I expect the Highlight League to continue going forward. Anyone can actually look into this. It's online. You can look it up on the app, Highlight. It's a great sport. It's just a – Good place to just take a step back from everything is when you start hearing all this stuff, you're like, sometimes I get a headache. I got to think about, you know, the president, obviously, Donald Trump will be back in office, barring them trying something insane. And I mean, a declaration of a war, suspending um, uh, the elections. I think with all the cheating that they may do, I think there'll be an overwhelming amount of people voting 
because this guy, Joe Biden, has hurt many people, even some of the idiots that voted for him. And that is going to affect the election. Uh, I know Roger's a little skeptical. He still believes that they're going to try some kind of fugaziness. I still see that I think in numbers, people will vote in droves. And somehow, some way, the miracle will happen and Trump will be back in office. And then you may start to see some sort of accountability and the economy to be turned around because Bionomics does not work. And maybe then there'll be some relief for all of us financially. You know, you, people are suffering. I, I don't think people like to go to Publix over here and pay like $20 for a steak that was like five under Trump. I mean, these are the things that the country is suffering under. And uh, what I want to say here is, see, what Eric and John talk about, the issues that you talk about and hear about concert free. I know people, a lot of our friends are high in a political you know, scale. So they're big politicos and big commentary people. And they love to talk about Trump and Biden, presidential, presidential. I'm big with this. Local is where it's at. What we discussed here, what we discussed here today, should be everybody reporting on it. It's everybody being aware of it. You know why? You can't have a society where corruption is running amok, okay? Because while this place even, you know, now there's supposed to be a second concertfrito that they're trying to get in Gun Hill Road there in the Bronx. I don't know if people heard this. The community board apparently has approved this. So there's a councilwoman there. Her name is Arias in, in the Bronx. Apparently she parties at concertfrito and all these little connections. You see, see what I mean? One little thing locally could expand to this whole setup. Because also in the Bronx, the people, the, uh, the 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 voting, the election people, election board, they go to Contrafredo. And it just so happened to vote, what, every election there is Democrat, no matter what, except for the last one, where the new councilwoman there was Republican and won because a lot of independents switch. So this setup, it's what's killing this country. It's the small towns. It's a small setup. You have to keep, you have to be aware of who's on a community board. Who's your teaching, the teachers union, the teaching, uh, uh, look, uh, uh, politically, you want to see who's in your city council. You want to see what's legislation, want to be there for votes. You want to know who your police commissioner is and your mayor, because guess what? You don't want this Gotham City, Ravenite Club kind of atmosphere, which is going on now. Because these guys, at the end of that press conference, they were laughing and went to go party, because that's what these guys know. I mean, I'm pretty sure... I, I don't know this for sure, but I can speculate because, I mean, we have a billion pictures out there on social media that proves that what I'm saying actually has occurred many times. So this is what people's focus should be on local. I hope there's a story that goes all over the place. Even the haters, the cops that are obsessed with John and Eric, open your eyes and stop being blind. Stop letting yourself get dragged in the moment. I know I was there. I was in uniform, too, and I remember – I worked on the John Shell. I know exactly how John Shell is, but he's not a pure guy. Okay. Would I hang out with him? Yeah, he's a great guy to hang out with. But believe me, if the push comes to shove and something happens regarding an incident that you may or may not have been involved with in the street, John Shell will throw you to the wolves. Just remember that. They're still your boss. They're not your friend. I just want you guys to keep that in mind. So when you're writing these stupid things, Trust me, don't be in a situation like a Daniel Pantaleo because you watched everybody turn their back on him real quick. Same supervisors that were his best friend and they were partying with him and all this stuff and saying he's a great guy and going to the gym with him were the first one to say he was wrong. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. That's how it works. So remember, local is the key. Pay attention to these things. 
Uh, have fun. Watch hockey. Watch highlight. Try to take a breather. Life is good. It can be can get better, and hopefully, Trump will win, and twenty twenty four will be the year of the Renaissance. Well, for twenty twenty four, first I want to say, Sal, it's always a pleasure. I got nothing but love for you. Uh, you know, I. It's Thank unfortunate. You. It's unfortunate. This is the matter that we met. I mean, I wish I would have met you when you were on the job, but you know what? This is the path for us. I think you're a great guy. I think that ultimately I have nothing but extreme amount of respect for you, especially the fact that you're willing to stand up and constantly tell your story over and over. And you've been so upfront about it. You know, I, again, like I said, I have an extreme amount of an affinity for your case and for you standing up. The other thing, I mean, all kidding aside, you look extremely dapper in that suit. I mean, I almost feel underdressed every time we do a podcast. You try to wear t-shirts and you're dressed to the nine. Uh, so I do predict for 2024 that you'll probably get offered for some type of uh, garment company or suit company to be maybe their male model or something <laughs> wearing their suits. <laughs> um, but uh, no, all kidding aside, on the local level, I mean, it's obvious. I think Mayor Eric Adams foreshadowed what we may see in the near future. I think he kind of gave it away in his stuttering and his lies and his recent press conference that ultimately Tiny Kinsella, the first deputy commissioner, will be the police commissioner for the police department. We've seen Kaz Daughtry. I mean, he could barely put two words together when he's given a, when he's given a speech or he's speaking at a gala about retired members of the service. He'll probably be the first deputy commissioner somewhere even higher up within the police departments. Obviously, they groomed him. And again, my prediction for 2024, when it comes to Donald Trump and, and on the national level, I, I do believe we're, we're headed for some scary times. I, I don't think that these leftists are going to let Trump get to the White House. I mean, will he? Should he? Yes. Will they let him? I'm not sure. However, I do believe there is a big portion of this country right now that is going to, and we're starting to see it already, to make a complete seismic shift. I think the woke movement was so loud. The progressive movement was so far to the left that it's become regressive. The ideology to be liberal and to be free of government, I mean, it just it's completely about government control. And I think people are just frankly tired of it. They're tired of this, of gender pronouns being shoved down their throats and this, uh, this cancel culture being shoved down their throats. I just think there's going to be a seismic shift. I think that it's unfortunate because America was supposed to be land of the free, the home of the brave. Is it land of the free right now? It's not. Yeah, it's land of the free if you want if you want to, you know, call yourself he and him or they and them. I mean, you could be a cat, you could be whatever you want to be. But if you work for the New York City Police Department and you're an AT veteran and you're a lieutenant and you do not want to take a vaccine. Because Mayor Eric Adams says you should, you, you says you should, to remain employment. Then it's not a free country. If you lose your job, that's not a free country. If you lose, if you get terminated because of your affiliation with Roger Stone and Donald Trump, because of your views do not line up with the woke police department, and you get terminated, that's not a free country. If you're attacked by an overzealous civilian comp complaint review board for doing police work, for retrieving illegal firearms and getting violent perpetrators off the street and you're attacked because you're an alpha white male working in a 99% black and brown demographics, that's not a free country. So that's where I think the people are tired of it. I think for 2024, I do believe that we're going to see a seismic shift. And, and I, I, I see it turning out. John, you and I take part in these Twitter spaces and we hear people talk. 
Uh, we've met you know, through, through social media, different sheriffs throughout the country. And frankly, the time of it, and people want to see the Constitution upheld and back to where it belongs. We hear people talking more and more about the Second Amendment. Again, I think people are tired of this uh, talk about uh, climate change. I mean, we see figures like Elon Musk. People are starting to, to, to push back. And that's what this podcast is about. And that's what you're about, Sal Grego, is pushing back, telling the truth, and standing ground. And, and that's my prediction for 2024, is, is to see a seismic shift. I do hope Donald Trump can make it to the, uh, to the White House. But I do believe that they're going to do everything in their power with George Soros-funded money to impede that and stop him in his tracks. And it, it, I do believe we are headed for some scary times. And I think everyone should be mentally prepared and physically prepared. And start, it's time to bring the masculinity back. And I, and I do think people are tired of it. I do think that this country needs to start going back to their gender roles. I do think it's more of a healthy environment. I see it. I'm here. I'm here in Asia, and 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 I can see it. You know, it, it's 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 a more of a difficult environment. And I see that the there's there's no issue when it comes to gender roles because it, it falls into place for for a functioning society. And, and America's really lost that. We lost that in, in the in the Western government, and hopefully we can bring that back. Yeah, 2024. I'm going to predict right now. The Adams administration is going to be clouded in a huge corruption scandal. It's going to go over to the NYPD as well. You're going to see a whole shift of leadership in the New York City Police Department. I'm hearing from several sources that Chief Jeffrey Madry is going to be receiving a three-quarter disability pension and may possibly come back in a civilian role. I'm hearing Philip Banks is going to be gone shortly, Deputy Mayor of Public Safety, and that might be where we see Chief Jeffrey Madry step in. So obviously you'll see people move up and around. Um, again, I like I said, I think New York City, default, I agree with, with Rudy Giuliani, New York City's default position is corruption, and I believe we're back into our default position. So I think that there needs to be a huge upheaval. However, I remain solely positive for 2024, both on a national and on a personal and on just a local level as well, because I do believe there already is that seismic shift. You know, I believe that you see that media is changing platforms like this where free thoughts and questions are allowed and this scary place of a, of, of a civil debate is happening. I believe there is a seismic shift in this country. I'm not afraid of these leftists. I don't think anybody should be. And you're going to see people are getting sick of what's going on in New York City where leftists paid agitators are being uh, being mobilized every night using taxpayer funds, shutting down public transportation hubs. This could only go on for so long. So until you're going to get a massive, and you already see it, you see a massive upheaval of Democrats. You see a lot of people pushing that, that really don't like Donald Trump, that will be supporting Donald Trump for his presidency uh, because they're looking to get back to some sort of a middle ground. Um, I think that we, we will see a, a Donald Trump presidency again in 2024. I think, I think it's strong. Um, and you know, I, I listen, I think the world's always a scary place. I don't think that right now is the, one of the scarier times in history. I mean, we're the softest, weakest generation because we've been, the we've been the most pampered and we still are, 
even though all of this insanity is going on, I, you know, I, I remain solely positive and I, you know, and, and then that's not to say that I put my faith solely in the hands of Donald Trump either. Cause I don't, I put my faith in, in the hands of God and in the hands of Jesus Christ, my savior. And, and regardless of what happens or anything, I will remain solely focused on that. What, whatever happens is part of God's plan. God puts people like Eric Adams in high positions so that the world could watch them fall and burn up in a ball of flames to understand that there is only one authority. Government is not your God. And so I'm not, I, I, whatever happens, whatever may happen, doesn't bother me in the least bit. It's not going to affect the things I say or what I do. And I, I suspect the same thing for you too, as well, right? You're going to, you're going to stay focused on what you need to do to protect your family and be the people and the men that you want to be. That's why I respect you both so much. Sal, could you just uh, do me a favor? I know that this court case has, and this horrible action on the part of New York City has cost you everything. You know, uh, could you just tell the audience where we could support you and how we could help you in your case? Because um, again, New York City should have folded a long time ago. You should have been had been reinstated the minute it happened. Um, so, could you just tell the audience where we could support you and where we could find you? Yeah, sure. So uh, you go to salgreco.com. You can click the support button if you feel, uh, you know, inclined to be generous. And uh, I, I greatly appreciate it if, if anybody has in the past or is willing to now in the future. And uh, also SalGreco.com. You can go into the store. You want to buy a SalGreco The Nothing Wrong shirt. Maybe you like one of my mugs. I actually have a shirt in there uh, you're mentioning something about Fugazis. So if you want a newer shirt. And, uh, you know, that, that, that'll help out the cause because, uh, as you know, John, and we talked offline, uh, this has been very hard. Uh, when you're almost would say blackballed, because I do have a security license. I can do jobs. But, you know, when you go into an interview or you have a resume, it, you know, when you were terminated, whether you're in and then you're also in a pending litigation case, many people will back away from that. It just, you know, when this is over, come back or whatever the case may be. It's very hard to get work after something like this happened. So I've been uh, ba basically you know, scrapping together funds, you know, through you guys, you know, through getting support from you guys and, and, uh, you know, doing some other small little things, you know, some kind of small security work to get by. And uh, it's not easy. And it's not easy. And uh, sometimes some of the money I have, I put in to do research so I could come to you and tell you the stuff that uh, I, I was stating today, some of the stuff I stated today. So uh, SalGreco.com, that really will help anyone given out there. And uh, I remember when I was a cop, I remember these causes too. But, you know, I also would give money to some guys that were suspended or modified. I didn't think that was right either, how some, some people get treated. And uh, you can follow me, Truth Social, at Head of the Table, uh, on Instagram, The Sal Greco. Same on X, The Sal Greco. Uh, hopefully, Richie Caban won't try to stalk me there. I mean, that's funny I even mentioned it. But they already are. Don't worry about it. <laughs> people stalking me. You know, I don't really care. I don't play these games. But just to tell you, I mean, it's the kind of people you're dealing with. They're very petty. And uh, they they, they, revolt, they revolt into uh, childlike behavior. And, uh, I listen, I pray for everybody. You guys are my friends. I pray for the world because, look, you really don't want – the, the next thing is all these, these protests you're seeing, hopefully – there's no declaration of war because you keep hearing Ukraine, Palestine, Israel, uh, Iraq, uh, something happened there the other day. You don't want a war because that what can be that's the dagger because that could change 
elections that could change everything because then you could have to remain in power during a war, kind of like what they did in World War II. So you don't want that. So that's the only thing you, you're, I pray for peace. Everybody stop fighting. It's all a game. Look through everything. Look through. Take the blinders off. Stop thinking about Trump or Biden. Look, look at your enemy. Your enemy is right in front of you. They love the vision. Guys like Eric Adams who tell people that he goes to church and uh, he, he said uh, at a church, he actually said, you're watching an incompetent man run a competent place into a city to live in. That's what he actually said. So just so you know, that he said that to a, an audience. He loves going to church and acting like a preacher. He's preacher Eric Adams. One minute, he's a Farrakhan guy. Next minute, he's a Republican. Next minute, he was a captain in the NYPD. The next minute, he was... Whatever he said, he was a computer geek. But don't call him, you know, they, you know, don't don't say anything negative about him because then he's gonna go on a tangent. Because that then he's you know he comes up against it, which is what you kind of see with the media today. So I pray for peace, even though hopefully, you know, New York City gets fixed. Maybe he has to step down, he gets uh, indicted. I don't know what's gonna happen there. It's all kinds of rumors, but uh I'm hearing the same things John's hearing. So I think that the NYPD will be having some shift and movement so and hopefully that's positive for new york because uh, i really even though i no longer live there i still hope that the people that i know and the, the past that i remember get saved because you really don't deserve that even though some people there will still vote the wrong way no matter what because they're, they're brainwashed i still hope for the best for new york i don't want to see new york be destroyed because remember it's always local and with that i say god bless everybody out there thank you for supporting me if you feel inclined to. I really appreciate it. I love you all. Uh, you know, let's bring in 2024 and let, let's hope for the best. You know, uh, Sal, I could be more proud of you. John, same thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a religious guy. I say it all the time. I'm more of a spiritual person, but I do believe in fate. And I believe that fate brought us together, three alpha males to actually be representatives of speaking the truth and actually, you know, fighting for the, the better of the good and good versus evil. I do believe evil does exist. And uh, the only way evil could be combated is with good. You know, and, and I will say this, you know, I think there's a misunderstanding, especially from the hate groups that we get. But you know what? From the hate groups that we get, I thank you because we don't, we're not in opposition to hate. We actually consider you fans. But what I can say is this. I think people think we have a hatred for the police department and a hatred for New York City. We do not reside in New York City anymore, but we all love New York City. That's why we're trying to expose the truth, because we want a better version. We want the version of New York City that we once knew, because we knew it could go back to that. It was a place we all loved, a place we grew up, a place we're all proud of. I mean, to this day, we're all still proud to say we're from New York City. And same thing with the police department. We all loved our careers. Let's be honest. Sal wouldn't be fighting this hard if he didn't love his career. And he didn't love being proud of his name and being part of, of the police department. We were proud of that patch. John loved his career, and so did I. We loved what we did. We loved serving the public. We loved wearing that uniform. We were proud to be an impervious police department. We policed each other. It was a noble profession. And what we see now is just complete opposition of, what, of, of how and when we served. And we want to see a better version, the version that we once knew, because we know what it can be. And that's, again, it's tough love. We're, we're doing this out of love not out of hate. And that's what I want to say. Going into 2024, I, I, I tell myself that all the time. To turn everything into something positive, don't show any hate and do this through love. And that's why we're doing this. So I have nothing but love for you, Sal. 
same thing, John. I, I really appreciate that we take this journey together. And one prediction I will say also for 2024, and this is to my friends with the tan pants and Kaz Daughtry of the New York City Police Department and John Shell. New York's finest return on filter podcast is not going away. We will be bigger and better and stronger than we ever were before. And you can take that to the bank. Absolutely. So everybody, 2024, let's get out there. Let's ask some more questions. Let's ask the harder questions, the unapproved questions. And that's what we're going to keep doing. Uh, as always, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, everybody, for watching. 265 Police Live, baby, brought to you by New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. We'll be right back at you. There's a handful of retired officers that don't live in the state that have a lot to say about the dream team, as I like to call it. All of a sudden, they retire and have a master plan on how to fight crime, but nothing to nothing to contribute when they were here. They want to come back and be part of the dream team. What can I say? Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community, but who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE.